Welcome to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast, the resource for parents and students navigating the college planning process. Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com and creator of the College Decision Navigator System, talks with world-class college planning experts who openly and honestly share the triumphs and challenges families face every day in helping their children get into and pay for the colleges of their choice. We want you to feel like you're sitting down with our experts and getting their best ideas without paying their considerable consulting fees. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews others about the issues and concerns of selecting colleges, competing for a coveted place in a class, and ultimately paying for the colleges that admit your kids. This is Felicia Gopal of College Funding Resource, and today what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be interviewing another guest expert. expert is Kendra, who has done an extensive research on study abroad programs as well as participating in study abroad programs. And today, Kendra's going to be sharing some information about study abroad programs for parents and students as they start to think about and consider participating in a study abroad program. So thank you very much for being on the phone call today, Kendra. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Kendra, could you tell me, just let's start with where did you go for your study abroad program and what made you think about participating in a study abroad program? Well, my home school, my school here in America, was the Maryland Institute College of Art. And it's an art school. I was studying my undergraduate in graphic design and computer-aided design. So when I started thinking about a study abroad program, and the only reason I thought about it was I had a couple friends that were a couple years older than I was, and they were you know, juniors and seniors when I was just a freshman. And one of them had participated in a program just for a semester. And he really, really enjoyed it, got a lot out of it. He came back a much better designer and photographer. And he actually attributed his whole growth in the art world to that trip abroad. And his was only for, I think, four or five months. It was just the one semester. And the first thing he said was, if you ever have a chance to go, go for longer than I did. He's like, you know, I was just getting into it and felt like I was getting my groove down and voila, the semester was over and I had to come home. So his suggestion was definitely go and if you do go, go for the longest amount of time that you can. And and some schools, and I'll call your home school your American school where you'll get your final degree in, but some schools only allow you to go for a semester and that's so lots of students can go for a shorter period of time. Other schools will let you go for an entire year or a summer program. And there are many different ways you can go or many different lengths of times that you can go according to what your home school course requirements are. So anyway, I picked Glasgow, Scotland for two reasons. For my field in graphic design, the Glasgow School of Art it holds a very, very high reputation. And that was the first and primary concern of mine was in my field, what was the best school that I could go to that would help me in my future? And then also, I don't speak any foreign languages. So it was very important to me that I was in a surroundings with other English-speaking persons. I know a lot of people that have gone to two other foreign countries without speaking a lick of that native language, and they do just fine. But I felt that if I was going to go for the full year, 
I really needed to be able to communicate well and, you know, travel around and not feel as though I couldn't communicate. So that's why I picked that school. All right. So I know that you've picked the Glasgow school, but did you consider going to any other schools and eliminate some for one reason or another? Well, yes, very good question. Actually, being in the arts field, as though I was, there are many, many different phenomenal schools in Europe, throughout Europe, and they're all good for many, many reasons. And if I was concentrating on painting, I may have gone to a school in Rome. If I was concentrating on, you know, political science, I may have gone to the Geneva School. You know, so according to what your major is and what your focus is in college, that really needs to dictate where you would even go and pick your home school because you really want to get someone that has a reciprocal agreement with a study abroad program. And what I mean by that is most colleges these days have some type of study abroad program. Some are much more developed than others. So if studying abroad is very important in your college education, you want to make sure that when they're working with you, Felicia, that that's part of the consideration as to where they go because if studying abroad is important to them, you'll want someone that already has a program set up because it just makes it a lot easier, a lot less worrisome on the parents, of course, and then a lot easier for the students to navigate themselves. So, yes, I did have quite a few different choices. The reason I picked Glasgow was because of their design school, which is the number one in the world for design. And plus, like I said, a close second to that was that it was an English-speaking country, which was important to me at the time. Okay. Well, that's like, that makes sense. So tell me about the process that you went through when you were selecting a study abroad program. I know it began mm -hmm. with the conversation with your friend saying, hey, if you have an interest, I would really consider going into a study abroad program. But what happened after that? Yeah, well, he's the one that actually told me, just go down to the career counselor or to my own personal. When you enter into most colleges, I'd say 99% of the colleges these days, you're assigned a counselor that will help you select classes and work with you if you really have an interest in this as a sub-major or a second major. You know, they help you navigate what's required and what's an elective and all that kind of stuff. So they're really there to help you. First thing is to, to start with that person and go and say, I have an interest in this. If your school is large enough, if, if it's a very large university, more than likely they will have a counselor specifically for a study abroad program. If your college is not very large, mine was very small, I oh. mean less than 500 people in each graduating class. So mine was just a tiny college. So mine didn't have that. So I just went to my normal counselor and said, hey, I think I really want to do this. What are my options? So that woman sat me down and went over everything. And they had a couple different, well, what they called reciprocal agreements, which is I continued to pay all of my tuition and all of my fees at my home school, my American university, and then they paid the other college over in Europe for my tuition and my housing and everything that was included, everything that would have been included here was included in my study abroad program. So, so therefore, let me, I... Let me just interrupt for a second and get clear. Sure. So basically all the financial aid, all the fees, all the 
things that you were committed to paying, it's not like you ended up paying double. You just paid your American school, and then they paid your European school, and there was no other fees or monies that needed to come out of your pocket? Absolutely, yes. And that was a huge benefit to me. And it even is today, given the exchange rate with the American dollar, you're not really sure, well, if you commit to a program now, how will the dollar be doing, you know, say in six months or a year, whenever you do travel. Those were no longer worries for me or my parents because I was lucky enough that my parents were helping out with college and I got Pell Grants, I got student loans, I got other financial aid, and all of that applied to the entire year. I was there for a full year, not just a semester, but all of it applied to the entire year that I was there. And it even included my student housing on campus. So there was no extra charge whatsoever. Now, having said that, of course, I mean, I had my airplane fare over there and then airplane fare back. And any traveling I did on the weekends or, you know, on spring breaks and, and Christmas and, you know, all those kinds of things, that was all obviously on my own tickets. But all of my school fees, my housing, everything was covered because my college had a reciprocal agreement with this other college. So the exchange was they send a student over there, that was me, and that college sent a student over here to America to study for the same amount of time. And that student had the same thing. They only paid their home school and all the fees were transferred among the schools. So they literally took care of everything for us. I mean, we just showed up and said, oh, I'm here, and they said, great, let me just verify who you were, and then that was it. I mean, it, it made it very, very easy on me because I did my homework and I found out which study abroad programs would be best for me. Now, other schools and, and even other students within my school, they wanted to go to maybe different universities or different colleges around the world, and at the time, we did not have any reciprocal agreements with anyone in Asia. So I know that a couple students wanted to go to Japan and Singapore and, and a couple other countries to study art history over there. And theirs was a lot more complicated because they did not take into consideration these things that we're talking about today. So had they have, they maybe would have picked a different American homeschool who did have a reciprocal agreement, and it would have been a lot easier on them, not just financially, because then they were paying some duplicate fees. I don't want to say all of them because I don't know that, but I do know that some fees were duplicated because of that. So it's very, very important that when the student and parent alike are choosing their primary school here in the United States, if the study abroad program is in that student's future that they work with somebody like you to select the right home school so when it does come time for any study abroad programs or even internships abroad or volunteer abroad programs that they could get credit for. It's very important that they work with somebody like you that has the know-how and can navigate through that and help them select the best school. Well, you've kind of given me a couple of questions. So my niece right now is a high school senior, and she's looking at attending colleges. And one of the conversations that we had just last night was the fact that she was thinking that she would like to go and participate in a study abroad program. So what I thought I heard you say was it would be important if she was looking at colleges and she's got a couple of acceptance letters already, if that's 
something that she wants to do is find out now who they have reciprocal agreements with and add that into what she's considering for saying yes to one college versus another college. Absolutely. Let me give you a quick example other than just my school because I don't want any of our listeners here to think that, oh, well, you know, you went to a special school. That's why it made it so easy or something because that's truly not the case. Boston University has a study abroad program specifically for the arts, and that includes digital photography, computer graphics, computer-aided design, even filmmaking. So if your niece was interested in any of that specific topics or majors, she could do a study abroad program in Prague, Czech Republic, which is in Eastern Europe. And yeah. they're in the field, in that field, that is truly the place to go. That's where some of the top filmmakers in the entire world are. I mean, the digital photography criteria over there is just phenomenal compared to ours. So if that was the field that your niece was going to go into, and if she had a selection of universities here that she wanted to get into and could get financial aid, so when everything else seems equal, then Boston University would be obviously the best place for her to go because they do have that agreement with Prague. So she could go there as a student quite easily. I understand. The other thing I heard you say was something about credits. Were you able to get credits for all the classes that you attended at Glasgow? Yes. Were your units transferable? Yes, everything was transferable. Now, let me qualify that. And, again, it's very important that you check with your home school about this because every school is just a little bit different. However, I knew going into it that whatever classes I took there, that school in Glasgow would give me a grade, A, B, C, something like that. But when I came back, my credits, as long as I passed with an A, B, or C, which, you know, thankfully I did, but everything that I passed would come back not as a grade, but it would come back as a credit. So if I got an A in one class, What I had to do is I had to just show a portfolio because all of mine was centered around the arts, drawing, painting, graphic design, photography, stuff like that. So we actually have portfolios. Other majors may have papers or research or other criteria. But I had to show a body of work. And then once I showed that, just qualify, not my grade, but just my body of work, then they transferred the credits. I did not get the grades, which means for those classes that I got an A in, that A did not transfer, but those three credits did. And for the class that I got a C in, that grade did not transfer, but I still got full credit. I got all three credits for it. So it didn't help or hurt my GPA that whole entire year because I got no actual grades. I got all of my credits because I passed all my classes, obviously, and I mean, that's very important, too. You know, you can't just go abroad and think, oh, it's party time. It's, yes, you'll have fun, too, but you're really there to concentrate on your studies and to make relationships that will go forever. But, yes, everything transferred. Okay. So did you happen to have any particular grade point average before you could participate in your study abroad program at your home school? 
Yes, yes, we did. And again, each school is a little bit different. So I know some of them are 2.5, some of them are 3.0, some are 2.8. So again, just check with your school. But yes, you do have to be an average student in order to qualify to participate, as well as you do in lots of extracurricular activities within school. Meaning, if you're truly struggling and your grades are D's and F's, you can't play sports. And there's just lots of things that you can't do, primarily because they want you to focus on your studies. And if that isn't shored up, they don't want any distractions for you as a student. So again, it's very important that you do check with your own school or check if that could be a problem, then you'll definitely want to check before you apply to a school about which GPA would be satisfactory for them. Okay. Well, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, are there any particular factors that you think are important for students when they're considering a study abroad program? I know that you've mentioned you've got to make sure that you're going to schools where you're planning on learning something while you're there and not partying while you're there, but are there any particular factors that either you or some of your friends who also participated in study abroad programs would say are really important factors for people to think about before they really commit to a study abroad program? Yeah. Just consider that you will be taken out of your environment. You usually can't do a study abroad program until your junior year is the first time that you're eligible for it. So now your freshman and sophomore year, you've made relationships, you've made friends, you have study partners, you've got all that kind of stuff, all those relationships that we make in school. And just understand that you will be pulled out of that entire environment, that entire, you know, what you're comfortable with at that time environment, and you'll be plopped down in the middle of a foreign country. And it sounds scary, but it can be just as exciting and exhilarating as it is scary. And you won't be without other friends almost all the time. You have some relationship there. It may be with a teacher who you've spoken to on the phone. It may be with another student that's traveling maybe from a different country, but they're going to be studying abroad there too. Part of the process is to let you talk to people on the phone and exchange emails with them with other students that are already there or students that are coming from elsewhere and meeting there for those certain semesters that you're going. So you would have already spoken to or maybe emailed some people that were going to be joining you there. So you'll begin to make new friendships, but just understand that you'll be pulled out of your entire environment, plopped into a brand new one, and you'll be able to take full advantage of it. You'll be able to have all the personal growth that goes along with that, um, feeling self-reliant and self-satisfaction and becoming very proud of yourself for doing those types of travels at such a young age and all the cultural experiences that go along with it. You know, you'll be able to see how other cultures live, how they mesh together as a society. I mean, you'll see things that you usually only see on the National Geographic Channel, and it's, it's truly unique. And I, I know all cultures seem to think, well, you get so self-absorbed in your own daily life, it, it's very hard to remember that there is a whole other world out there. But there is, and we all have things that can be explored and appreciated. So they'll obviously have grand cultural experiences, as well as career enhancements. I mean, you'll make friendships that will last you a lifetime from people around the world, which is just paramount. And if you do well in that school, you'll have letters of recommendations from those teachers 
or those specialists or those very high profile instructors from around the world. And when you get out of school and now you're going for your first job or even a summer program or a summer job, you'll have letters of recommendations from people around the world saying that you've done very well in difficult situations, difficult meaning you've plopped down in the middle of a new culture and can't get any more difficult than that, you know, so you'll have letters of recommendations that will talk about how you deal with things that your other students that you're up against when you get out of school, they aren't going to have that. So you will just be creating new opportunities for yourself this whole time. So I can see the value of that. My father was in the military, so the first 12 years of my life I was plopped in the middle of all sorts of new environments, from Izmir, Turkey, through Japan, through Hawaii. So I understand that. So how did that translate for you in terms of career enhancement? So you went to Gosclow, Scotland, and you got some great letters of recommendation. How has that translated for you in terms of your career development in your first job or any jobs after that? Because you said that it's not just when you're away at school, but it's really kind of something that you are able to leverage, if you will, for a lifetime. Could you share some examples of how that might have shown up in your life? Sure, sure. Now, I went straight from undergraduate. I went right on to graduate school. So those career enhancements were just buffered by a couple more years until I got out of graduate school. But, yes, actually, my graduate school had told me that your letter of recommendations from the Glasgow School of Art, again, in my field, that is the creme de la creme. So anything coming from out of the Glasgow School of Art means a lot to someone in that field. Now, somebody in another, say, political science field, they've never even heard of it. And that's okay because I've never heard of their good schools, you know. So it all goes back to what it is you're studying and what your field is about. So that's why it's very important that when they're making their selection process for their original home college that they consult someone like you so they can figure out because when you're first getting into this, you don't really even know what's good in your field or not. So that's why someone like you is so important with your services. But anyway, yes, they helped me get into graduate school. And again, I went to a very small graduate program. We had 30 graduating seniors out of our master's degree every year. So it was a very small elite program, and that's what got me in because I got to tell you, I mean, I was an above average student. I was not first in my class, and part of that was because I was enjoying life as well as enjoying my studies. But I can tell you, those letters of recommendations from that school is actually what got me into my master's program. And then, obviously, when I graduated from that, I not only had letters of recommendations from the Glasgow School of Art, now I had them on top of that for my master's program instructors and deans of that college and everything. And it got me my first job. I used them not just as letters of references, but actual job references because I did the work-study programs to help with my financial aid, and all of the instructors had worked directly with me within the work-study programs. So I had literally people that had been in my field for 20, 30 years saying that they would choose to work with me again. So that is really what got me my first job. 
out of college. And again, it forged relationships. I mean, I still have relationships and hope to for the next 20, 30, 40 years with people that I met abroad. And we keep in touch via email, phone calls, trips every now and again. They come over here. I host them. You know, they come over here to talk on a lecture circuit. Anytime they're in the Baltimore-Washington corridor, I mean, I always host them. And when I go across the pond, as they call it, they host me. So it's just a wonderful relationship that I would have never, ever have had the opportunity to have if it wasn't for the study abroad program. Wow. Sounds like there was a lot of value that you got out of being in a study abroad program, and I could definitely understand, and I will definitely make sure that my niece Here's this so that she really highly considers participating in a study abroad program. Well, you might be getting ready to ask this next question, but and I know it might be a little bit early for a junior or senior in high school to know what they're going to major in in college, but we all have kind of a sense of what you're good at, what you get good grades in, what you absolutely hate in high school. So I think as, as high school students, we all have a sense in what could be a possibility. You may not be willing to commit 100% and say, yes, psychology is going to be my major or political science is going to be my major or something, but you at least have a good feel for what type of industry you may want to go in. And again, that's where it comes to working with somebody like you that you can say, if these are my major interests, these types of fields, Now, I know when you help them select colleges, if they show the interest in a study abroad program, that you would take a step further and you would be able to say, in these fields that we're considering, these have the most flexible study abroad programs. Maybe that's with the reciprocal agreement, so there's no additional money exchange. Maybe it's something else with the GPA. Maybe they're a little bit more flexible about who can participate in a program if that's an issue with a student. So knowing all the details that you would gather from the students and the parents as you're working with them, if they show the interest in it, I mean, you know, you would be definitely paramount in helping them select not just the best college for them, but the best college considering their study abroad needs and their GPAs and everything else. Yes, that's exactly what it is that I do, is I look at not only where they are. I definitely have conversations with students about what are their interests, and I completely agree with what you said. It's hard to have a conversation with a 16-, 17-, 18-year-old and ask them, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? So I usually have a conversation with them about, what do you want to do when you first get out of college? You know, what's the job that you want to have when you first get out of college? And if we can also enhance their experience while they're in college and participate in a study abroad program that really kind of broadens and allows them to perhaps be in a better position when they're going for that first job where they've gotten great recommendations like you have. They've had some world experience. They've been able to demonstrate that they've been successful in being, as you said, plopped in the middle of someplace that is not their regular home environment and done very well, then that's definitely something that really kind of translates and makes a difference for them, not just now, but into their future. So I definitely have those conversations with students and parents as I'm counseling them about not just the whole finance of college, but also the planning of college. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's huge. I mean, the financial planning is only part of it. You're planning out the entire college process, not just the financial planning of it. So that's very important. 
Absolutely. So is there anything that you wish that somebody had told you about a study abroad programs before you participated in the program? Or is there anything that you would want to, like people to really kind of be able to take away about a study abroad programs before they really kind of delve really deep into looking for a particular study abroad program for themselves? Yeah, my suggestion, I think my one and only suggestion would be keep a very open mind when you do travel to these foreign countries because people will have, the other students as well as the faculty as to where you're going, they will have different ways of doing things. And it won't just be the language may be different and maybe the housing is different and the city layout will be different and their mode of transportation may be different, you know. But it won't just be that but there will be actually the cultural experiences. I mean, how do they interact with other generations? We're a very mobile society here in the United States, and in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, often very fragmented families. And that means maybe you don't see your aunts, uncles, cousins, great-grandmothers nearly as often as other cultures do. Some cultures, they actually live multi-generationals within the same household or within the same street or the same town, and there's just a lot more interaction with family members, and whether that's a pro or con in anyone's mind, it's still keep a very open mind about how you perceive things and try to be willing to learn from every single thing that you would encounter there, especially when it comes to the culture, because that can't be taught through books or even like I mentioned before, the National Geographic Channel on cable or the Discovery Channel on cable or any of those, they can show you the cultures and you can experience it just looking at it. But when you're there, you will actually be living it, you know, and in the foreign country, invite you to a family dinner. Take them up on it. I mean, they aren't just being nice and just inviting the new guy in town. They're actually wanting to open up to you to show you your culture. And remember, you may forge relationships that two years from now, that same student may decide to come over to visit you in America, and you can show them the same hospitality. And I would just really encourage people to be open to any and all experiences that they would come across in any foreign country because it's just something that you can't get anywhere else. You can read about it, you can look at it on TV, but it's just totally different when you're there. And I think it's really worth taking advantage of and taking things from it and realizing that our society is as wonderful as it is. We can still learn from other societies and we can still take pieces from other people that we meet and incorporate them into our own daily life, whether that's your personal life, your career, your family life, whatever, you can always get something from others and try to incorporate it to make yourself better. Absolutely. I like that. So basically you're saying that when you go to and participate in a study abroad program, don't try and take America necessarily just with you. Don't try and take the United States and try to duplicate the United States in whatever foreign country you're in. But basically it takes the time to be there to learn the culture, all the rest of that. One of the places that I lived when I was growing up was in Japan. And we had a base commander who thought it was really important that if you're in a different country from 
from your native country that you learn the language. So I went into class, and I was always one of those students that did very well in school, but I went into this class, and everybody's speaking Japanese because basically they taught it the way that they teach it. They teach foreign languages at universities, which is you come in from day one speaking the language so that you can kind of get acculturated or get used to the language and hearing the language. And I just remember coming home and crying, and my mother was just like, you know, Felicia, you are in Japan. <laughs> it's just like this is a one class out of all the classes that you have. Sit down, start learning some Japanese. And I had yes. some command of it for the two years that I was there, but it definitely was a different worldview. You know, you can't expect to go to Japan and only speak English. It's impossible. And my father took it a little step further in that what he would do is he would go to these places where there wasn't a whole lot of catering to Americans and would go to restaurants. And the way that you had to decide what you wanted to eat is either you always ordered the same thing that you knew in Japanese or you had to look around the restaurant at what people were eating and then point and say that that's what you wanted. And I'm telling you, we had some really great adventures because of it. My father was willing for us to go out and experience the country, and that's something that won't happen if you just stay in your dormitory, just stay on campus. If you're going to be in Europe, you've got to go out and see Europe and meet other people, and I thank you for that message because I really think that that's an important message for parents to get. You know, one of the other things that I know that parents often have a concern about is issues about their child's health and safety while participating in a study abroad program. Do you have any comments that you'd like to share about that? Sure. Uh, According to the country that you're going to, of course, always make a trip to your doctor before you go, well before you go, because certain countries now, they need vaccinations, and you have to be vaccinated at least six to eight weeks prior, and maybe, and again, I'm not an expert in vaccination, so it's imperative that you check with your doctor, but I know some countries, just off the top of my head, take six to eight weeks for the vaccination to, once you are vaccinated, it takes that long to actually have it in your entire body, and now your defenses are up against what you were just vaccinated from. So you can't get the vaccination and leave next week because you could still contract to those diseases you were just vaccinated against. And again, I'm not a vaccination expert. That's why I'm saying this two and three times. You must check because some vaccinations may take 12 weeks to actually become fully activated in your body. So according to what country you're going to, you definitely need to check with your doctor. And there's so much information online. You could even go online well before, print out the qualifications or the vaccinations, health qualifications, I guess, and vaccinations for that country and take that with you to the doctor and say, you know, I am going to Prague. I am going to China. I am going to Singapore. Okay. This is what the internet says I need. You know, what else do I need on top of this? And I'm sure he'll have a list, but you can't wait to do that. I mean, in addition to getting your passport in today's times, you know, you have to apply months ahead for your passport. But the beauty of this study abroad program, you are not going to apply today and leave in a month for this program. You will have time to get all your ducks in a row, get your health care taken care of, 
get your passport, get any visas that you may need. I mean, all of that paperwork, again, just, you know, since the 9-11 situation, everything just takes so much longer, but that actually works in your benefit. So what happens now is that instead of just a couple months out, like I literally just had a couple months notice that I was going, now it's literally 6, 8, 12 months ahead of time only because you have to prepare. And your health care is a huge part of that. But you'll definitely want to do that. You'll also want to get books on whatever country you're going to. Learn not just the language. And Felicia made an excellent point about the language. I think anytime you're in a foreign country and you even attempt to speak their native tongue, I think it shows a great deal of respect and understanding for them. And I think that that is greatly appreciated by them. I mean, I just know when someone here from a foreign country that I would meet in a restaurant or in a shopping mall or at a gas station even, if they attempt to speak English, I have a much warmer presentation for them than if they're just, you know, trying to get me to speak their language, which I don't even know what the language is, you know. So it's just a whole different mentality when you at least attempt. And no, you're not going to say it 100% right, but the thing is, you get a good laugh, they laugh, and you become friends just because you're laughing, you know. It's nice. But in addition to trying to learn at least the main words within the language, you should get books that will tell you if you have free weekends over your spring break or fall break, you're going to have some time that you'll be able to travel. So you'll want to get the travel books that will tell you what's close to you, learn the subway system. And again, with the Internet being as open as it is these days, you could go online and within five minutes find out which subway stations in Singapore would take you from wherever you're staying to the closest museum. You can literally find that in 40 seconds on the internet. So you'll want to do that kind of stuff. So when you show up, you kind of already have a sense of direction. You've got a sense of feeling and things are vaguely familiar even though you've never been there because you've researched it online, you've looked at the map, you've kind of gotten yourself acclimated. And it just makes it a little bit more comfortable in an uncomfortable, unfamiliar situation. And I'm using the word uncomfortable, and that's not to scare anybody. That's actually, in my mind, it's a beautiful word because that means that you're growing. You can't have growth without some type of unfamiliar or uncomfortable situations. But that's what we need as young adults is growth. So we grow into the person that we need to be. Oh, wow. That's so very, very true. And I just wanted to say thank you and ask you a couple of things. So when you were going away to college, I mean, one of the things that I would imagine maybe some parents would be very concerned about is safety issues. Did you have any conversations with your parents or your mother or father who expressed some concerns about safety issues for you traveling to Europe by yourself, or is there anything that you might recommend having people to consider as far as safety issues? while participating in a study abroad program. And I'm not saying that so that parents are like, oh, my God, you know, my, my kid is going to participate in a study abroad program. Now I have to be concerned about safety issues. I think when kids go away to college, mothers in general, I'm a mother myself, we're going to always be concerned about our kids' safety. That's just kind of in our DNA. It was born as soon as the kid was born into us. So I'm not saying that to scare parents. I'm just saying that I know it's something that will probably be on at least one one or two parents' minds as they listen to this interview. And I'm just kind of wondering how maybe perhaps your parents dealt with it. And if you could share that, I would really appreciate that. 
Sure, sure. Yes, my parents were very concerned, as all parents would be, about my safety and more or less my safety within the school. And what really set their mind at ease was as part of my reciprocal agreement that we talked about much earlier in this interview was that I paid tuition to my home school and they took care of everything over at my visiting school. So we had on-campus housing and my apartment on campus was included within that price. So I paid no more or no less for those living accommodations. And a lot of schools are like this. So again, it's very important that you find this out. But having an apartment on campus was very important to my parents for the sake of the safety, meaning most campuses, and I'm stressing most because we have a million universities out there, so I can't speak for all of them, but most of them, they are patrolled, they have their own security, the security people drive me around at all hours, day and night, walking around, driving around on scooters, whatever it is within the campus. It's very well lit, going from the path from the library back to the dorm or the apartment or whatever. I mean, they're very well lit. The parking lots are always monitored these days with surveillance cameras and everything else. So my parents felt very, very comfortable knowing that I would be living on campus. And I've got to say, I can't speak for them, but I must say I have inclinations that if I had to go and find my own apartment, and which it's very difficult to do that online, or at least it would be for me, because pictures can look great online, but when you show up, you could be living in a dump, you know, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. even if they have pictures, even if you can map quest it, you can see its location, how many blocks away is it from the school, you still don't know how nice is the neighborhood, how safe is the neighborhood. So I don't know that if I had to go and find my own apartment, even if I could book it before I got there and everything was all set up, I don't know that my parents would have been comfortable with me going. But knowing that I was going to be living on campus and knowing that I would have the safety that comes with campus, they had already let me go away to my school in Baltimore, okay? So they had already gotten over the hump of letting me out of the house and letting me live somewhere else, and that was big for them. I mean, just like all parents, they want to keep you as safe and as close as possible, but they had already made that hump about letting me go and live somewhere else. So this really was just the next logical step. It wasn't a huge step out of the ordinary, okay? Yes, I was going to a different city and, yes, a different country, but I was still going to be within the campus parameters, you know? And so the safety that comes with that, as you know, I mean, anything can happen on any college campus, even here in the U.S. So are you 100% safe? Unfortunately not. Are you relatively safe? Absolutely. Are you as safe as you are at your American school or your home school, as I refer to it? Absolutely. Now, having said that, you as a student, you must take certain precautions. But it's the same precautions that you would have taken if you go to school in Chicago, in L.A., in Atlanta, even in a small town in Pennsylvania, okay? It's not that you have to go to a large city and then, you, oh, you've got to take precautions then. But no matter what school you're going to, you must take precautions when you're walking to your car. You have to be alert. You have to look around. That's no different no matter what country you're in. If you're out late at night and if you're with friends at a restaurant, have somebody walk you home. And that doesn't matter if you are in the small town in Pennsylvania or Ohio or Nebraska. That doesn't matter. You still have to do that there. You don't have to go to Europe to have to do that. Anywhere that you are, after a certain point in the evening, 
you know, there's safety in numbers. And you just have to be aware of that. And I know that it's college kids, and myself included, you always think, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. And thankfully, 99% of the students, it doesn't. But you don't have to go abroad to have something happen. And you don't have to stay at home to be safe. You know, you just have to take your intelligent mind with you and just be as safe as you would anywhere else and keep in touch with people. And now with the cell phones that they have these days, and international calling is not that terribly expensive, that it's much, much easier for your family to keep in touch with you when you're abroad than it was, say, even five years ago. Five years ago, international calling on a cell phone was quite expensive. And these days, it's not. And every year, it gets just a little bit cheaper or a little bit more reasonable, I guess I should say. So it's not nearly the issue that it was in the past. So use things like that. Use the tools that you have to maintain your mother's sanity and your father's <laughs> stability, you know. I mean, that's very important. Call them more than you would have called them. Yeah, if you used to call when just once a week to check in with them when you were at your American school. When you're overseas, just call them two or three times and just talk for a couple minutes and just say, look, I know you're commuting in. You always have the time difference, of course. And say, I know you're running into work. I just wanted to tell you I was thinking about you or we found a great new restaurant last night. And just tell them something small, something that means something, and just say, look, i got to go. And so that way you're talking 30, 40 seconds, maybe two minutes, whatever it is. But they go, oh, gosh, you're fine as of now. And that's very important as a parent that you do touch base and they kind of keep tabs on you from afar. Yeah. So um, just use the tools. And now with the Internet, shoot them an email. Take a picture of yourself last night at that cool restaurant and shoot it to them this morning. And, and again, that, that just helps with their level of comfort as well. So I think you've given us some really great ideas for not only maintaining your safety while away at college, but also thinking about how you can be in better communication with your parents so that they're more comfortable, as comfortable as they're going to be with you being maybe thousands of miles away at a uh, foreign school, as we've been calling it. So I want to say thank you. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with us before we include this interview? Well, something you just said about make your parents as comfortable as they can be, given the situation, is that my final thought would be actually to the parents, is that if you were looking for a level of comfort, you wouldn't have had children, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) because you only... Once you become a parent, you always have these what ifs in your mind. What if she sprains her ankle? What if she doesn't pass this class? What if she misses her bus? You know, all these what ifs. And so you have to be okay with that or you wouldn't be a parent or you wouldn't enjoy being a parent. So just look at this opportunity for your child as just another what if. Yeah, it's a bigger what if, but it's still not the biggest one that's going to come down the pike. I mean, there are lots of other huge ones. You know, what if there were health issues? Those are the huge ones that you need to kind of focus in on. Not what if she gets over there and she doesn't like it. Well, what if she went to the University of Pennsylvania and didn't like it? What would you do? Well, you, you would ask her, do you think you can hold out? Are you truly that uncomfortable? Do you want me to come over for a weekend? You know, do you have any friends there that maybe you can talk to? Can you just engross yourself in school? Or 
do you need to come home? That's always an option. And don't be afraid of that option. So you really, truly have the same exact options as you would as what if she didn't enjoy University of Pennsylvania or whatever school she would be going to here, okay? So it's a no bigger what if. So just keep that in mind and just know that this really is, it's their time to shine and they need you to let them go. And it really is, it'll work in your best interest as a parent as well because they'll prove to you how self-sufficient they are and how much their decisions can be trusted and everything else. So give them the opportunity. So thank you very much for that thought because really it's a final validation or another validation for parents that they've did their job as a parent to train their kids and then let them go. I always think of my, I have very young kids. I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. But I think about I am the custodian of these kids until they go off. So it's my job now to help them, help prepare them for going off to college. But once they've kind of gone off to college, then it's really their opportunity to demonstrate that I've done my job as a parent in helping them make great decisions, being comfortable, being able to be in new environments and succeed. And my daughter is considering going to camps this summer, and I know that I'm having those what-if conversations that you're talking about. It's what if she doesn't like Girl Scout camp, but what if she loves Girl Scout camp? And I told her, I was just like, you are going to be making a commitment for three weeks. I understand that you may not like Girl Scout camp during that three weeks, but you are going to finish three weeks because what you start, you are going to finish. And so it's a different kind of mentality, and it's, it's exactly what I invite parents who are listening to this and students who are listening to this to understand that this is a new experience for you, going away considering a study abroad program. Finish what you start. You may not love it. Yes. You may not have the great experience yes. that Kendra had. You may have a better experience than Kendra had, but Kendra sounded like she had a really good time, so I don't know about that. But anyway, <laughs> I want you to yes. think about it and consider all the things that we talked about in terms of being prepared as you are making these decisions, not only as you're thinking about high school, graduating from high school, thinking about them in relationship to the colleges that you're selecting. And if there's anything that I can do in my business, please go ahead and ask me. So again, Kendra, thank you very much for spending time with us today. And I look forward to continuing the series and giving you some great information about another facet of college planning. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast where we will continue to legally share college insider information with parents and students from the insiders themselves. For more information and to instantly download your free copy of the College Funding Resources Report titled Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Mike Elmore for the College Experts Talk Podcast.